0: And welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. Um, I don't know that my heart has been this full at the beginning of an episode in a really long time. Um, I really am so excited to welcome Carolyn Taylor to the show. She is a comedian, a choreographer, a Pisces with Leo rising and the creator of I Have Nothing, and co-creator and showrunner show of the Baroness Von Sketch Show, and general bringer of joy to the world. Carolyn, thank you for being here today and welcome to the show. Wow, what an intro. Thank you, Lisa, it's really good to be here. Yeah, and yes, I am so I am Taurus with Leo rising also. Oh,
1: interesting, do you know what your moon is? Uh, yeah, Leo. Oh no, you're Leo rising, but your moon, do you know oh, that? No, I don't worth looking into really important Uh, I I don't know how to figure it out I can only figure out risings but just anyway look into it
0: okay I will do I need to go do you know Channing Nichols of course okay so I have her astro planner so I just need to go back because she works that all out for you absolutely Mm-hmm. Yes. You get your moon, and then suddenly things start to make sense. Yes, I will do that right away.
1: It okay, also. Order of business. <laughs>
0: everyone listening, look up your moon as well. It's really going to help. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. It also is not lost on me that today is in bulk. Yes. Yes, and when I re- when your person when Anna scheduled this for this day, I was like, "This is the most perfect thing." When we are headed back to the light, the darkest part of the year is behind us. Oh. We are planting the seeds of joy and headed towards the light. So this, I can't imagine a better way than this to truly, do. Truly, truly. I mean, the other
1: day we haven't had sunshine. I mean, there was like one day of sunshine. I think was mm-hmm. it, days ago. But just that feeling of like, oh God, why does the future feel so bleak? Why is everything, it's like, oh right, because everything is so bleak and Mm -hmm. it's hard to remember. And so I always think like when you hit solstice, it's that you've been running, you're running into the darkness, you touch the end, it's a marathon and now you have to run another marathon back, but at least you're on your way back. Yes. Halfway mark. And now we're at the halfway of the halfway, like heading towards the equinox. I love the equinox. So yeah great reminder that it's in bulk that's great yes
0: yeah well it's a day that's near and dear to my heart so i'm glad to be sharing it with you (laughs) and that leads us into that first question so carolyn yes who are you and how did life introduce you to this version right who am i and how did you
1: yeah i i mean listen this question it's i heard it in the you know the intro so i i and I'm contemplating it, and I guess I'm split between, I need to ask you a question, a clarifying question. Mm -hmm. Do you mean who am I in space and time, like moving through the universe as we all are in multiple incarnations? Who am I in this version, like now? Or is it like uh, in this lifetime, this one lifetime, at this age, 50, who am I and what's that version is that which version are you looking for like i
0: love both versions okay. because i think that so i've never had anybody ask me this follow-up question before and i love it because i feel like at midlife there is this awakening to oh i've d- i've been here before yeah. i i've done this before things feel familiar oh, oh! this is what I'm supposed to be doing in this life. And so I think there's this beautiful intersection between those two things of like, mm. who are you in this incarnation? And who are you as the person moving through the universe? And how do those intersect for you?
1: Right, right. Well, like, geez, okay. In this life, I mean, here I am at 50. So who am I? I mean, I'm the same me, you know, who's been moving through uh, space and time in this lifetime. God, I yeah. sound
0: bonkers in this lifetime. Um, no, you're speaking my language. Sister. These are the things Going. that
1: are, like, I'm constantly <laughs> contemplating. So I guess that's front of mine. Um, so I'd say, yeah, it's like a constant revealing of who you are, and you're almost like revisiting who you are constantly. It's not like you you turn fifty or hit, you know, perimenopause and you're like, oh, I'm a completely different person. You're still you, but you're starting to like understand parts of you, parts of you that may never change, parts mm-hmm. of you that are changing always. And you maybe that, I guess the challenge now as I'm meeting myself now, you didn't ask what the challenge was, but I'm contemplating it. It would be to, I guess, some level of acceptance. And also uh, if there are things you don't accept to really, you want to change them? Now's the time. <laughs> Like, yeah. let's go, man. Uh, so a little of that. And then I think cosmically this version of myself, I'm like, woof. I mean, I really do think. I can't imagine this is only our first time, all of us here. Like, I really do think there's some sort of universal energy. So I don't know what those incarnations are or would have been. I don't have any theories on that, but I'd say in this one, I guess we're just still working on all the things we have to, we all collectively have to work on and we'll continue to be presented with them lifetime after lifetime um anyway so this version of me is going like oh well this is a pretty interesting one like in the scheme of how (laughs) it could go I'm like yeah I'm good (laughs) yeah (laughs) still lots to work on uh but um I don't know what a bizarre time to be alive so yeah
0: It really is. It's a very, it's a very interesting and bizarre time to be alive. And there are many things that you said there that I want to pull up. So in the other part of my life, I am actually a menopause, I'm I'm a menopause coach. So I work with women who are in this transition and I am in it myself. So it's all very real and, you know, practical to my daily life. Mm -hmm. And the way I approach it is this is a time of great liberation if we can position it for ourselves in that way, right? It's not the story that's been provided to us. Actually, there's really not a lot of story that is provided about this. And there's, when we start talking about your show a little bit more, there's something I really want to say about that, that came up for me while I was watching your, watching the show. And it also is a time that, that's where I said, it's this great intersection, right? Because we are starting to have more space right? We've been running this marathon in Mm -hmm. my experience. Anyway, I've been running a marathon completely blind to everything around me because I've been so focused on the, on the trajectory forward. And suddenly I have this time where there is more space for my brain and my heart and my soul to open up and think about things in new and different ways. And that's why it's a big part of why I feel like this time is a time of liberation. Are you experiencing that in any way? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's both. I think on the
1: one hand you there is this spaciousness and there is this liberation and a, a moment of contemplation say, well, wait, what am I running towards? And wait, wait, hold up a sec. Like what do I really want to do and how do I want to do it? Um, and then at the other, I mean, I guess, the counterpoint to that is, you're like, oh God, there's life. Like, life is finite, mm-hmm. and you're running towards something, and then you're finally like, oh, I think I've got my footing. You're like, oh fuck, man, it's just getting harder. Like, in 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 a physical way, you know, like yep. you know, body strength and muscle, and you know, insomnia and all the things that come with you know, perimenopause, mm-hmm. and you know, mood swings and all of that. It's like, oh, just when you start to get a handle, so there is that spaciousness and and really beautiful, a beautiful time of life. Uh, but also, you're then faced with a new set of challenges that maybe weren't present in the the first half, and it's like, oh god, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah. And how do we empower ourselves through that? And for me, what I'm finding, yeah, some of it is reconnecting to the prepubescent human I was, right. like reconnecting to that girl, yeah, and that girl was deeply present. <laughs> At the 1988 Olympics. And so <laughs> when that was a core piece of your show, I just, I felt myself light up. And actually just last night, I went back and listened to David Falk, you know, the 1988 Olympic themes. Dun, 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 oh, dun, dun. Of course. Yeah, I went back yeah. and I replayed it and I was listening to it. And it was, it was a time machine. I yeah. instantly dropped back into that body yeah. in the space where I was in that in the opening Olympic uh, on the in the opening ceremony cool. and that sense of energy from that girl was so powerful I was trying to now I'm working on like pulling that forward as a fire for this and so what was your experience of that and why did it be, why was it so critical to bring into the show yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're always trying to
1: reconcile parts of our, all the parts of ourselves and yeah, that part of yourself that's just, you know, pre-puberty for me, I was, I think I was uh, 14 when I saw the Olympics mm-hmm. uh, when I watched the 88 Olympics. So a little different, probably a little more self-conscious and all that stuff. But I do know that joyful time of like you're nine, 10, 11, you know, like mm-hmm. I was talking yeah, I, was le- I was 11. Okay. I love it. And I was talking to a friend yesterday, we were out uh, for lunch and we're like, both of us were like, God, when we were little girls, we had like dirty face. I always had like a, my brother said I had like a (laughs) chocolate milk mustache everywhere. and like, you know, skin knees and just whatever. So, um, so we can later speak to that. Yeah. That, that part of ourselves for sure. Bringing that forward. I love that idea. And so in this particular, in my show, it was sort of reconciling that 14 year old self. Yeah. And when I watched the Olympics, I mean, again, this is pre-internet, right? So we're not scrolling on our phones. We're not being told after the, like, you can't sort of miss it. And you might be able to get a recap, you know, on the six o'clock news, but no, you're not, you wouldn't be able to see the full performance again and feel the energy. And um, so it was like, we were all glued to the TV set. Like, that's what it was. And I felt that energy and I, and I had friends who were in Calgary and you just sort of,
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: wished, of course, to be there, but um, it was so exciting and such a great cast of characters. So that 14 year old in me who loves that kind of stuff was just like yes. completely enthralled. And of course,
0: Katerina Bitt, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, God. I Yeah, right. I, it was such a powerful cast of characters. And when you were describing Katerina, the experience of Katerina Bitt for you, mm-hmm. it was Kurt Browning for me. I did the same when you played the clip of his expo show of sign your name across my heart. I was like, <gasps> my heart stopped because it immediately took me back to that moment. And a girlfriend of mine and I went to see stars on ice that year when he actually performed that routine oh, so you saw
1: that live with the chair and the, uh... yes, I did. Oh, uh... Rage that had such an impact that because I didn't specifically remember that routine until our editors, you know, were were looking up um you know support material for the for the doc. And I was like, oh my god, obviously I'd seen it because I wanted to have a chair on stage, I wanted the fedora, I wanted Kurt Browning and Katarina Vitt, and you realize, oh, the media had planted this whole like you know, I think it was also like Alberto Tomba, the the steer, and Katarina yes. Vitt was supposed to, you know, be involved or something, um, but because they were the two hottest people at the Olympics. But like the Kurt Browning, Katerina Vitt, like these these plays, they were they were staged for us, and I obviously saw that because I'm like this that routine, that expo routine or whatever in '89, it. Yeah it definitely informed my routine. And it was only after the fact, looking back going like, I must have seen
0: that. I must have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Because as soon as you pulled that chair out on the ice and you sat on it, I was like, oh, it's, it's Kurt. (laughs) This is what's happening right now. Yeah. And there was such magic in that time. And I'm wondering if it was was it the cast of characters and was it just the presence that we had to have to be part of that or there is some sort of chemistry that happened at that time that i have never been able to exactly put my finger on and i i also wonder
1: is it possible i mean i think there was exceptional chemistry with the skaters and that cohort of skaters there really was they were superstars they were you know flying all over the globe, you know, and being yeah. chased by paparazzi in my mind. I don't know. They were, <laughs> they were huge, larger than life. But then I also think of that age when you're not like out partying with your friends necessarily. I wasn't anyway, and I'm not no. drinking. I have a boyfriend. I'm not doing anything like that. So really the, the world that is has presented you on TV, that's, those are your superstars. Those are the people you're idolizing. And there aren't sort of internet influencers or anything at that mm-hmm. point. And I think, I liken it a bit to Saturday Night Live because I think around that same time, the people yeah. I was idolizing were like Jan Hooks, Nora Dunn, Victoria Jackson, like that crew, on yeah. um, that cast. And I'm like, oh, same age. Again, I'm roughly that age. So it must mm-hmm. be just that time, the people who influenced us at that time become the ones that are sort of unshakable in our minds. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. And even the clips of Sandra Bezik by the fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good, right? <laughs> so good. And I had such visceral memory of it. Like it immediately put me back into the childhood home I lived in at the time of having the fireplace going, of sitting with my mom. Yeah. And for me, that is another really powerful thing because I lost my mom oh. at 52. So my youngest was a bit, was not quite a year. And going back into those into that time with you through that show was this beautiful sense of connection with her because it was something that we had, that we did together, right? Wow. And my godmother and my grandmother, and it was this beautiful, like matrilineal thing that we had. And it's just really, it was so visceral. And that like those clips of Sandra just did it. for It was just immediate like, there it is. There's that time. Yes. Yeah.
1: I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Like my mom, I I mean, I watched the Olympics in my aunt's living room, but my mom, like we would have been, you know, watching the Olympics, of course, all of that. Like we watch, you know, Princess Diana get married, you know, like, so again, these, these times with our mothers, these TV events, that was part of, you know, the time. And I, I lost my mom a few years ago too. And it's just, and that was part of also, which, something that kind of woke me up a bit to like, what mm-hmm. do you want to create? And what do you want to do? And, and, you know, you've lost the most important person to you. Okay, well, then who cares now? Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's You know?
0: Yeah. And that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the intersection of grief and creativity and ah. challenge.
1: Ah. <laughs> God, Grief, creativity and challenge. I mean, grief, my God, it moves through it has moved through so much of my life and my work in ways, sometimes obviously in other ways, where I didn't even know it was and it was there. Like I didn't really even understand what a presence my father, who passed away when I was a young mm-hmm. child, uh, was going to have in this show. I didn't it's been so long. And then when he kept sort of appearing in different ways and and mm-hmm. uh in conversation and stuff, I was like, wow, he really is present in this time. And around creativity, I think it's tapping in, it's okay to tap into those emotions. And if you want to tap into the big joyful emotions, I think you have to be able to tap into the other ones. I don't think you get to really compartmentalize and feel them fully. So, um, and I did learn in therapy that when you open one grief folder, you open up kind of all of them. So that's really, learning how to open that folder without becoming overwhelmed is hard and how to, to use it and honor it in your work, you know, and other times to say, Oh, you can sit over here. You don't have to take, you know, the, you don't have to be in the driver's seat. You can sort of be back there and that's okay too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I found it just becomes, it becomes another part of your heart. Mm -hmm. So it's always, it's always beating there with you. And it's how we choose to move into it. Because sometimes I find there was a freedom that came with losing my mom, which sounds odd, but we had a great relationship, but her expectations were very, very high of living a very traditional life. Right. And so I, I, I was a teacher for 20 years and I resigned in June because I could not do the system anymore. And I keep thinking, thank you. (laughs) But I, if she had still been here, I am not sure I would have made that choice because I would not have wanted to disappoint her. So there was this like freedom of creativity for me that came from that. And at the same time, she was this firecracker who I thought I can take. I can take her torch mm-hmm. that she didn't quite get to finish with yeah. and I can light it in a new way and do some generational healing. Oof, yeah. Yeah. Did you feel any of that in the creation of the show? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, you know, my mom had had um, dementia, you know, Alzheimer's for so that. So it was time for her to go. Um, oof. It's very emotional. Sorry.
0: Um, no, please. It's, it's what we do here.
1: But the freedom of her going, then you go, she doesn't want to be that way. Like that's, yes. no one wants to live that way. So you go, okay. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, well, you're able to move forward and you're not, you know, because you really are a caregiver until then. Yes. And then to sort of say, okay, that's not what's what it is. And to let them go hard, yeah. horrible. And then also there is a freedom. Yeah. And to just sort of now take the love and support that you had and keep that. And then of course their doubts and, you know, their fears, my mom had, you know, doubts and fears, but she was actually, mm-hmm. she was pretty remarkable in that she had a lot of, um, you know, struggles. She didn't care for school, my academia, those types of things. And, and, um, and so when I was in school, she was like, as long as you do your best, that's all I care about, you know, and then uh, I'd wanted to be a lawyer. And so of course this thrilled her, right. I was going And then when I said, no, I want to, you know, pursue acting and theater and performance. And she got really upset and like, what, do you want to be off Broadway for the rest of your life? Like, she really had a hard reaction to it because I think she was invested in her daughter achieving something, you know, that way. And then she, she came back to me, I don't know how long after, a week after, not even that long after that, that argument. And she said, I'm really sorry. I am putting all my fears and my insecurities onto you of course, follow your passion. I love you, whatever you want to do. I'm here. It's, I'm, you're, I'm really just putting onto you the fears that I have of yeah. not being enough and str- spending a whole life struggling in the arts. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so I really appreciated that she reflected and she shared that with me. And that went a long way to know that she yeah. had fear and yet went through it and said, go for it. Live your life. I'm with you. I, I, I'm here for you. So that was pretty amazing. Yeah.
0: What a gift of self awareness to be able to model for you. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was really remarkable. She was a very spiritual woman, very like in
1: tune with those things, and and uh, and where she didn't necessarily have self confidence in certain areas, she was able to really um, give that to us as her children. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, it's that sense of freedom. There's something I love about knowing that her. Fire, my mom's fire is mm-hmm. in the collective consciousness now. Right.
1: right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's yeah, <laughs> there's
0: something really healing in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things I really wanted to know is what was it like the first moment you had eyes on David peltier and Katerina gordieva What do you mean was- that Zoom call? In or person, in person? In person.
1: Yeah, that was, I mean, listen, I was terrified. I was like, oh God, here we go. And then there was something about, you know, walking in and I think they were both still in their, their jackets, you know, and they were, had, had to do the medical or whatever, you know, classic TV stuff beforehand. And and then I come up and I think they were both sort of on their phones. So it really wasn't like at that moment, I was like, oh God, here's David Peltier. Like they were just, they were regular, they, they were people just like- yeah us and here they are and knowing what i was going to be asking of them <laughs> was oh, like inside i'm like oh god here we go and he's he's such a fun and funny guy but also a really serious no-nonsense guy he kind of holds mm-hmm. both. yeah and that was ter- he's like a man you know and i'm like oh god i'm in the presence of a, a real big <laughs> terrifying i think i even stutter a little when i'm talking to them and that's like that was just i'm like trying <laughs> to, to give them an offering of socks and just like oh god here we go so he was definitely intimidating that was terrifying you know and yeah. uh yeah and after I showed them the routine, so, you know, I, I did it yes. up there and, there and I did, oh God, that was so humiliating, like to have to give it your all and knowing, so of course the comedian in me knows this is good. Like this will be yeah. fun. But the human in me, it's like, this is a nightmare. I don't <laughs> want to act this out for them. This is horrifying. Uh, but we knew, you know, it's part of the, the story. So of course I, and they have to see it to understand yes. it. So I do that. And as soon as I was done, we don't have this in the show, but he was like, uh, taxi, I'm out of here. Like he was, he, I mean, you can see it on their faces watching like, Oh no. Um, So yeah, he was, he was such a character and
0: it was, we really had, we grew, grew a lot in that, in that
1: time together. Yeah,
0: it was really fascinating to watch. And I will tell you, I felt the discomfort of that when you were acting in my body. Like I was, I was sweating. I was watching it and I was sweating and I could see the look in his face. And I was like, (sighs) (laughs) I can only imagine what this is feeling like. Um, but yeah, but also that dichotomy of knowing, like, oh, this is gonna play really well.
1: And knowing that, so you have these this split of like one person who's making television and that type of, th- and another side that's living a dream and trying to hold both and like internally cringing at yourself, like just like, oh, but there's something. I mean, and this is sort of a midlife thing as well being Mm -hmm. faced with fear, and you just have to go through it. And especially when you're now contractually bound and there's cameras and like people have flown in. Yeah. Be like, "Eh, actually, I don't want to do that. Now let's just have a drink and go out and talk about the Olympics. Like, no, (laughs) no, we're doing this. We're doing it. So there's something about that that you can't turn back you have to so just keep going through the fear and there is something pretty amazing I mean it sounds cliche but you follow the fear go through it and then whole new realities and experiences open up that you couldn't have imagined if you if you'd backed away from it
0: right yeah yeah, yeah. which is what is so incredible about the vision that you had because you literally created something from nothing well divine inspiration yeah right, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like- <laughs> There's, there's that piece of it. And the thing, the midlife thing that I really connected to as I was, I was just rewatching the show again, um, is that up until this point, we've been, it feels like I've been like an athlete training with choreography for a goal. Yes. And suddenly I reach this space in my life and the choreography is gone. Mm -hmm. And there's like, there's music and there's creativity still, but there's no choreography. And so when you were talking about improvising, I was like, and that's it, that is this like uncomfortable intersection that I find myself in personally. And I think a lot of people in midlife where you're so used to the choreography and now it's our turn to improvise.
1: Right. Yeah, That's so interesting. Whereas I think for me, I've lived so. Much of my life in improvisation, like trained in it right. at Second City, but also that's sort of been, it's just sort of true to my nature, actually, uh, that I'm not someone who's like, oh, what am I doing in five years, 10 years? Like, I really have never really lived my life that way. And so oddly, for me, it's almost converse, like it's no, like I' just funny? Funny. and now it's time to choreograph, so people are like, <laughs> are we doing it?" I'm like, "Ah, <laughs> we we'll just feel it out and see how it goes like <laughs> so I actually think maybe
0: we're experiencing mirror uh version. Yeah, a mirror experience, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's so uh, when you were talking about like, yeah, let's just feel it out on the ice. I was like, yes, that is what i that's my life now. That's how I feel all the time, like, well, I don't know, let's give this a shot and see what happens, yeah." Um yeah, but and what was the like what was the driving force to actually make this happen? Right? Because I like we've off I, I've had those moments too where I hear a song and I'm like I can I can see what's going on in this music. Yeah. But I've never <laughs> I've never, you know, made a show about it. Yeah.
1: I think a series of steps forward, you know, anywhere from hearing it, having the vision, and going like, oh wow, that's a lot to like being outside and like jumping around the apartment and just trying to figure out what am I seeing? And like, how would I land a jump to saying, well, what if I do take it onto stage? Like, cause I am a performer. So it's not like it's within possibility for me. It's not the same as, uh, um, you know, someone who is an engineer or something who works privately on, I don't even know what do
0: engineers do, build things, design things. My husband's an engineer. I could tell you, but it's not that exciting. Okay.
1: All right. So like Someone who's just not a performer, necessarily. Uh, yeah. So because I'm a performer, then it's sort of natural, it's a natural possibility, or it's within the realm of possibility to try to take it in front of an audience and test out an idea. So then that, you know, was a next step. And that also was revelatory. Like I, I was my girlfriend had asked me to do stand up at her book launch. And I uh in like twenty seventeen or something, and I was like, Oh, stand up. I don't have anything to say. Like, I'm not I do it sometimes. I'm not really a stand-up, but I, I can, but I find it quite terrifying. And mm-hmm. um I'll do it, but sometimes. And yeah. it wasn't until uh she was talking to another artist for a piece and and she wanted a lighting cue and sound cue. And I was like, wait, I can ask for wait a second, I can do a performance art piece instead and then i just sat up i was sort of lying down kind of uninspired and sat up and was like oh my god i'm gonna put this on its feet like yeah and so again i think maybe midlife um i find the word permission such an interesting word and it's an ongoing contemplation i i have mm-hmm. that, with that word and do we give ourselves permission do we need someone else to give us permission to try something on stage do we give our you know where does that come from and yeah. um and so uh, so in answer to your question, it was a series of taking steps and then another step. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, I've come pretty far with this idea. I've now done it in front of an audience. I've traveled with it. I'm now telling the audience I'm going to do it. Well, what if I did do it and how could I do it? And I mean, luckily for me as a TV maker, I like that's within my world. So again, it's not like Someone who runs their amazing bakery or something, you know, they they could mm-hmm. imagine a giant bakery. This is horrible. <laughs> well, it was, was my wheelhouse of stuff that I can consider, and so teaming up with Zach Russell and the two of us really digging deep and trying to figure out how do you convey this, and also the sense of even if it goes wrong, it's still okay. Yeah. Right. And that will make it funny and it will be the twists and turns will be what they are. And so that became a really interesting, creative fire and safety net at the same time
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a chances because whatever yeah. happens will be interesting at the very least, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And the journey of getting the song certainly Ooh. is a great example of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> of the creative fire of the song <laughs> that you and May wrote. <laughs> I mean, and that was just
1: so ridiculous, but that, I mean, they was leaving, you know, two hours later and I'd got it in my head. No, we need to have a backup song. And so of course, did we need a backup song? Empirically, one could argue, no, but in myself, I, and I'm setting the rules of what I need. I'm like, I need one, we need one. And so the the time crunch was real. The pressure was real. And trying to write a song in two hours from nothing with the stings mm-hmm. in the right place was brutal. And the breakdown was real. Yeah, I can imagine. And then, you know, then, of course, we had it. Uh And that became, again, another interesting part of the journey and also sort of safety net something for us to have in case. Uh, but yeah. Thank God we did not have to have the skaters. <laughs>
0: I was trying to imagine what, like, I was trying to imagine them skating to that song, like at the last minute doing that change. And like, again, a w- David Peltier face. Like, what yeah, would that been, like? I
1: think realistically what would have happened is they would have skated to the Whitney song in the arena for the audience. We would have yeah. done that. And then in post, when we have to air the show, it would have been like, press play on your MP3 player. I don't know what we would have done or played some other. I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> Luckily we didn't have to go there, but those were all the contingency plans.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. And then finally, so for the show itself, like, how were you able to stay in your body? Like going back to the idea of presence, right? Mm -hmm. Like the 88 Olympics, we were all so present. And I can imagine there would be this temptation to be like, I can't, this is actually happening. I'm out. Was, were you able to stay present in your body for that?
1: That's a great question. I kind of toggled between the two. Sometimes I was fiercely present because I had no choice, like in order to, Stand on skates and not fall and answer questions and, you know, actually choreograph with Uh these elite gold medalists. Like I had to be present. So one part of it forced me into absolute presence. But then another part that is like the 14 year old, especially, or that person still can't believe that this happened. The Uh person in the living room watching Katya Gordieva and Sergey Grinkov skating the most perfect pairs routine. No, did I choreograph Katia Gordier, but I still know that girl cannot believe that. In fact, that she will never believe that. Those Mm -hmm. don't know how to reconcile those two things. So I certainly, I toggle between the two. And then I've got the brain that's a producer brain. And then I've got me who just has to do the thing brain. And then I've got my heart and fears, like self, that's not a performer. that's just a person who is scared and excited and you know, all the things and cringing on the inside. And, you know, at times, so I had to hold all of those. So I guess, yeah, presence and I think both toggling between, but the demands of the series really required me to be quite present.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine because there are a lot of moving parts. Yeah, right. There's so much so many things I didn't even consider, right? Like, lighting design, And how that works in choreography, something I would was not even thought about it,
1: ever thought about it. And it's like, huh? Well, what do you mean? Okay. And we had like these meetings. I mean, the series shows, you know, six episodes, but my God, all the other meetings and the people who had to come up with Excel spreadsheets and Google docs and all the people tracking down, you know, the IOC, um, Olympic committee footage and, God, there was so much work for so many people to make this happen. And we as an audience get to watch this one part of it, but like lighting design, yeah. There's how do you do that? And you've got a limited budget and in you know, a yeah. limited number of lights and uh,
0: Yeah. And um, haze I
1: mean, Haze. I mean, honestly, if Sandra Bezic and, you know, Joan Tassani uh was there as well and as the who directed the the skating footage, um and they I mean Listen, I was following their lead. They're saying more haze. Yeah. <laughs> more sure. Hayes. I don't know. <laughs> no, don't ask me. I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, and then, the, you know, that crowning moment of everything coming together and you and Katarina Vitt laying together on the ice. I know. Yeah.
1: How and- did she agree? How did she like, listen, I just I'm still blown away by that and that she was such a good sport, really not understanding what necessarily like, it's hard to explain the show. But she has, I've learned part of her personality is just a really she's daring and she's brave and she's fun and she you know of course wanted to see all her friends and contemporaries who were there and she and sandra are great friends and so she's someone who's like yeah i'm canceling when i'm I'm coming you know and and then you know lay down on the ice with me not knowing this was going to be the final shot of the series and Mm -hmm. everything uh so that was i mean that was mind-blowing that was that was wild
0: yeah it was so deeply satisfying to watch That is the final scene. Was just like it was really the best way to bring it all together. That and seeing all of those incredible personalities back together in one space, like um, Underhill and Martini and Brian Orser and all of these people who I just, I there was a time where I was convinced I was marrying Kurt Browning. So.
1: He's so great he's such a good sport he's so fun like to be able to say to him you're the muse but you're not actually the one who's gonna do it. but you're like <laughs> he's yeah he's i'm so generous and kind with his time and he'll still send me you know the odd you know text or video or whatever what he's up to and um he's amazing and they all they all love each other and they're all they all care about each other and have been there uh through all the sort of vicissitudes of life. So that, that was really exciting. I was just excited to get to see them all together.
0: Yeah. And to experience that sense of community, right. Especially like from some of the cues I could tell in the show, it was like pretty post COVID, like pretty COVID, end of COVID. Yes. yes, Yeah. Yeah. And us needing that, sense of community so desperately and being able to see that and be part of that was that a like a healing experience absolutely it was and it
1: was sort of like we created this magical other world that we all lived in i mean and then there's the making of the tv which is just stress 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 but then within this magical world yeah we got to just live in that and um I I always think there's so much magic that can happen you know when you're able to bookend an experience like even if you go on a holiday or you're with some yeah. friends or you're working on a project if you know oh within the these parameters I'm allowed to play I'm allowed to have fun I'm allowed to forget the rest of the world for this amount of time and in uh within this sort of these bookends I find there's so much liberation in that so I think that's one of the reasons the show has that vibe because we all gave up some control in that time, took a leap of faith together. And while that's really hard to sustain for a lifetime, uh, (laughs) in certain pockets of time, it's actually really, you know, extraordinarily fun and liberating, right?
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Is there, have you had another hit of inspiration? Is there another routine coming? I, listen,
1: routines now come, like now I, I, they do I can sort of it was you know it took a while to even understand what is choreography uh oh it's movement emotion and movement and conveying us you know a sense of what's happening for this character or story and um so yes potentially maybe I haven't been struck by another routine but I certainly have heard other songs that I think would be great yeah um, and uh, you know Sandra and I kick around ideas all the time and that's been really fun um but um, what was I was going to say, uh, yeah, I'm being inspired by some other weird stuff. And so I, you know, again, midlife, if we bring it back, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to of your show and and this transformational time, can you say, yeah, you know what, let's take another kick at something odd and weird and see what happens. Um, those are the things that get me excited, you know, and, and if we can back to that younger self, those younger selves that we all had or not we all I don't think we're all different but but Mm -hmm. um there was you know hopefully for for many that sense of freedom at that age um and those friendships and you know the creativity and I was putting on plays and doing you know dances to putting on the ritz and like you know all the stuff was there it was all there then and um so to be able to embrace that but have the knowledge of being midlife and what you can actually create and do with it is, is kind of an exciting nexus.
0: It really is. You just brought up this really vivid memory of, I had a group of friends. We used to put together plays to min- the mini-pops. Oh yeah, we're mini-pops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the time. It was one of our favorite things to do was to put on these shows and be so deeply in our bodies. And that was one thing I wanted to just, as we're wrapping up, just say, it was really fascinating to watch the way you moved in your body from the beginning of the show until the end. And the way that you were able to embody being a choreographer and have that vocabulary in such an incredible way, like it was viscerally noticeable in the way you moved by the end of the show. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess... Yeah, I mean, the more time you spend doing something and the more familiar you get with it. And also that thing of as as time is crunching, I don't know if you found this, I I find in life, when Uh um, you have to become so focused, you actually, you have to step up in a way. And so um, I think that comfort of doing some, uh, what am I trying to say? Fear anymore. And maybe that translates into how you move your body and you are comfortable. And yeah, and I do, I, when I watch the series, I'm like, oh my God, by the end, I'm not wearing my helmet. Like, I'm not thinking of any of those things. I'm just like, oof, I got to do this. Yeah. And um, so that's sort of that exciting thing that comes with great fatigue. Whatever, <laughs> You're just too tired to yeah. have all your hangups and how, you know, your physical fears and I may be more willing to take chances.
0: Yeah. Uh, exactly. Guess- And I think that is a really beautiful sort of metaphor for the for the breakdown to be able to shine right in the way that you really that you really want to. So thank you so much for this experience. Um, It has brought in the midst of, you know, we alluded to at the beginning of this interview. It's been a very long gray stretch for us here in Canada. And this is just. For everybody listening, just watch it. Your heart and soul will thank you and it will have you. I, I made my husband <laughs> after we finished watching the last episode. I was like, hey, can you do that thing where you hold your arms out and I'm just going to jump into them and you catch me like a fish like that one. Can't, we're going to do that. Okay. And did he? Um, he went like this and I was like, no, forget it. Let's just do the one where I jump on your front and then you spin me around and I stick my leg out. And we did that one. Okay, Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> That's great. That's great.
1: It was really Uh, (laughs) great.
0: Everyone take a (laughs) shot. Watch the show. Try the lifts. Feel the joy. Thank you you Um, so much for this today. Thank you for
1: having me. That was a really, really, really fun conversation.
0: Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at lboat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electricast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, all in the Spanish Remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love. Available now wherever you listen to music.